Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we, as you probably know by now, are just doing our damnedest to make the world 10% nicer. Super glad that you're here to help us get there by every means necessary. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today we are joined by John Capone, who is the quartermaster and director of content at one of my very favorite all-time magazines, Whalebone Magazine, which uh, some may have rated as the third most influential magazine of all time. Whalebone has been called National Geographic's more laid-back younger brother and the magazine for the beautiful people whose souls have not yet withered and died under the relentless, toxic, dehumanizing grind of consumptive corporate culture. It's also been called a sweet-ass publication that'll make you smile. Now, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of printed stuff. Uh, Printed photos, books, magazines, zines. I just, I love the tactile nature of real-world visual and language expressions. and, and, And nowhere, I don't think, are those combined more perfectly than in magazines. As impressive as Tesla's electric car is, I'd honestly say that the first issues of, say, Colors magazine represent a more important synthesis of human thought, history, culture, and creative output. I, you don't have to agree, but that just that just tells you why I'm excited to talk with John today. He's at the helm of a magazine that really is working to make the world a nicer place, a more enjoyable place. More than that, Uh, He's worked with some of the true luminaries of the publishing and design world. And over the years, you know, he's threatening to become one himself. Plus, like me, and probably you, he loves Hall & Oates. That counts. That counts for a lot. We're going to talk, of course, about Whalebone and John's passion for publishing. We also get into what the future of publishing might look like. You know, does print have a place? And if so, where? What What does that look like? We talk a lot about ayahuasca, or maybe it's just a passing reference. I don't, I don't remember. It's been a minute since uh, we recorded this. I do remember ranting about simulation theory and getting super excited about Montauk, New York. Uh, what other stuff? Oh, it's podcast. So we talk and we, we ping pong around. And, and if I tell you too much about what we're going to talk about, you'll just stop listening. It's like Cliff's Notes, right? You know, it's totally true. We're at the point now where we tell each other, We read an article about whatever, such and such, but all we did is scroll past a headline. We read headlines. Yeah, we've come to that place. (laughs) God save us. Couple quick items, couple quick items. Our Super Nice Club member of the week is Miss Rebecca V. Rebecca's Instagram profile, at Miss underscore Rebecca underscore V, states that she's a muse slash buddhista slash editor slash creator, but we know that she's a lot more than that. She's gifted with with what is, in my opinion, possibly the best taste in music of any of the Super Nice Club members. If you think otherwise, it's cool. Just prove it. Send me a playlist. Uh, And she helps with the fantastic music content at Sun 7 LA. Rebecca recently launched a new skincare venture, Luna Porvita, that concocts super cool skin tonics. No weird chemicals, no Photoshop models. Just pure good stuff for your skin. Luna Floor, F-L-O-R, Vida, V-I-D-A dot com. Um, and if you want to nominate a member of the week that gets featured in the podcast, the newsletter, on the Instagrams, just holler up. Just holler up. Uh, let me know who you think should be the member of the week. 
This is episode number 58. So here are some super nice 58s. 58 was the name of a side project involving Nikki Six of Motley Crue. Uh, the most points scored by a rookie in the NBA. 58, yeah. By the great Wilt Chamberlain, who uh, I think slept with 58,000 women. True. Look it up. Google it. In cricket, both batsmen must cross the 58 foot, well, it's 18 meters, uh, line, or they must go 58 feet between their grounds to score one run. I don't know what that means. I don't get cricket. Played it once. Incredibly fun. Got to tell you. Uh, belief in the existence of 58 original sins by several civilizations native to Central America or South America caused the number to symbolize misfortune. But you know who totally disagrees with that dire assessment? Patrick. Yeah. Patrick from SpongeBob, who says, 58 is the luckiest number ever. So, mm, you know, pick, pick, pick which one you want to go with. I'm going with Patrick. What else? Um, there are 58 counties in California, and 58 is the minimum wind speed in miles per hour needed to issue a severe thunderstorm warning. Yeah, cool. Those are your 58s. All right, ready? Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to Nice Work with John Capone. John Capone, welcome to Nice Work Podcast. We always start out with like the easiest question of all for most people, which is, where are you? Where are you right now? Yeah, I'm in Sonoma, California, uh, and the uh, in, in Santa Rosa, sunny California, which was 39 degrees this morning. That's, uh, we traded places. I'm in LA, but I, my last residence was up there in Santa Rosa, which I love. I love Santa Rosa, California. It gets a little bit of a short shrift. Is that what they say, shrift? Yeah, uh, in Sonoma County, because, you know, people will, comparison, will compare it to Sonoma or Healdsburg. But I found... It doesn't Sonoma have County. the romance of the small town squares or the, uh, you know, the, the, the prestige of Napa. But it has, to me, it had, it was the only place in the area that had like a, a younger creative vibe in it anywhere. You know, there's mm -hmm. a little bit of an edge to Santa Rosa. Yeah, there's 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 arts community. There there is music here in the in the before times. Definitely, you know, some little some little art art house movie theaters and and stuff like that. It's it's got a little bit of uh, of of grunge and edge to it though too in places. Yeah. Well, so shout out to Santa Rosa, and I know a lot of super nice club members are up in Sonoma County and in Santa Rosa. So big love to you guys. Really really awesome to be talking to the hometown. Were you in LA prior? Uh, yeah, I was in Long Beach uh, the last couple of years. Um, so down, down in Long Beach, I've been in Santa Monica and Venice before that. But I'm from New York, uh, you know, mostly the city in Brooklyn. But of, of course, uh, you know, Montauk and Sag Harbor uh, lived out there for a few years, too. I'm just going to throw in a, a quick Long Beach reference here because it's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Lodge 49. Guys, you're listening. Lodge 49, it's ostensibly set in Long Beach. It's an AMZ show, ran two seasons. I highly recommend Lodge 49, checking it out. And it's set in Long Beach? Is it like Car 54, yeah. where are you? But uh, <laughs> but Long Beach? It's it's sort of this, it's slightly Twins Peaksy, uh, but very irreverent. You know, the Masonic Lodge, sort of the mysteries around Masonic Lodges. It's kind of got a, a take on that but also the surfer culture of Long Beach. Uh, it's a fantastic show. It's one of the best acted, best uh, cast of anything I've seen. Love Lodge 49. 
I can go right. on and on and on, but let's not. Let's talk about Whalebone Magazine, which you are the editor of, and it's just a fantastic magazine. And you mentioned Montauk. And is that where Whalebone is headquartered? Yeah, so Montauk is, you know, the heart and soul of Whalebone. And yeah, always will be, I, I think. Uh, but it started there. So I didn't, I wasn't involved in founding the magazine. That's our publisher, Eddie Barang. And uh, the art director, who's always been Mallory Turner, I mean, she's designed every issue, every page of every issue pretty much uh, since the beginning. And that launched out in Montauk. And really, the first year was very much meant to be like a local Montauk magazine about Montauk. And it just grew and grew and took on its own life. And now each issue is devoted to one single topic that quite often has very little to nothing to do with Montauk, but the lens. Uh, through which it looks at the world is, you know, generally, you know, a, a Montauk lens, you know, so I think about it like, you know, the magazines that have a place perspective aren't always about the place. So like New York mm-hmm. Magazine is, you know, the New Yorker New, and, and then New York Magazine in modern times is like a very classic example. So New York Magazine can be about anything, but the perspective is, you know, somebody on the street in Manhattan and Whalebone would be that kind of perspective, but it's somebody on the beach in Montauk. Yeah, and it's it's obviously of Montauk. Montauk Brewing Company, Montauk Plumbing and Heating, the ads in there mm-hmm. are so Montauk that it made me, after a little, after going through it for a while, as a subscriber, which all of you should be, listeners, print magazines, print is a tough, tough, tough industry. Subscribers make all the difference. So do advertisers, if you want to advertise. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, check out Whalebone. Because it was of Montauk, it made me go check out Montauk more, something, a town that I really knew very little of. But then it leads down the rabbit hole of what's that town all about? Well, you know, if, if Whalebone's coming out of there, who else is there? What kind of tribe is there? It made it, uh, it's, it's now on my list of places to visit next time I'm in New York because of Whalebone. I love the fact that each issue, I'm looking at the three most, I think they're the most recent, uh, interview issue, the photo issue, the weather issue. Each one is dedicated to an issue, which reminds me so much of my all-time favorite magazine, which is Colors Magazine, especially when it was under the direction of the legendary creative director, Tibor Kalman. Colors is, you know, a Benetton publication. Uh, And so I find that parallel interesting as well, because there was Benetton, which was this clothing company that approached a publisher or approached a a talent and uh, decided to start a magazine. And that's kind of where Whalebone started, right? Wasn't Eddie approached by someone? He after he does after he developed a sort of a clothing line, something like that. Am I close? Uh, cl- close. So uh, J- Jesse Akel in Montauk had developed this brand Whalebone, and it was and he had created the apparel uh, line and sort of the look okay. and and feel of it, and you know very um, ingrained in the surf community out there. Um, and Jesse is you know so running the Whalebone flagship shop, um, which is all of his line that's out there, and and he. Uh, continues to do that. And then he got together with Eddie and Eddie had the media side and the media magazine background and made Wellbone magazine uh, together. And Wellbone, I think, has always been about partnerships and collaboration. Uh, you know, so we have a, an agency partner, which is where Mallory, uh, the art, direct, our art director, came from, an agency that we work closely with called Adjective that has always allowed Wellbone to, you know, punch above our weight. Um, you know, it was growing. And even when I started three years ago, 
like four or five of us, um, you know, so, so having access to other graphic designers and, um, and, uh, the creative director, Taylor Harkey at adjective, uh, they've always helped us, helped us along. So between Jesse and adjective and whalebone magazine with Eddie, that was like kind of the three legs of the stool that whalebone was built on. And it's, it's great. The art direction is really what drew me to the whole enterprise to begin with. Um, and that art direction is so wonderfully consistent through all of the different spokes of Whalebone. Uh, you know, the website, uh, from what I can tell, the shop, although I haven't been inside the shop, but the photos look, look like it's a well-curated environment, which I super appreciate. Um, and, and the magazines are sort of with this, again, with this single topic, photography, weather, each one is like a little mini curated museum to me a little curio cabinet of just cool perspectives, angles coming at weather from a thousand different places. Right. Yeah. Which and, is, and it's such a, a deep dive, whether it's uh, hot sauce, Bill Murray, mm-hmm. the TV show, the office. Yeah. Summer, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, you know, the, the topics come about organically, you know, from our audience they're they're suggested sometimes, uh, definitely we have a much larger group we call mothership. Uh, who's all of our sort of uh, contributors and collaborators and advisors and people like that. You know, so we get a big call together with everybody you know, kind of outside the organization um, or outside the day-to-day. They're, they're part of the organization. They're part of Wellbone, but but outside the day-to-day. And, uh, you know, th- th- those themes come out of those kind of uh, those conferences. So how far how far out are you right now thematically? Are you like three years out? It's monthly. Folks, this is a monthly magazine. By by, by month, oh, so every, every other month, and yeah, somehow it took us five years to come out with a photo issue, which seems like just so obvious from how heavily reliant we were on beautiful photography um, from the beginning, and now we're doing our second uh, photo contest and photo issue. So we have the rest of the year planned, and got, gosh, I would love to tell you that there's a a secret. Um, book wherein is written the next three years of themed issues, but really um, we just make it to the end of the year and then we go on an ayahuasca retreat and come up with new themes. That's, is that the true story? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. that's, that, that's, that's, that's what we uh, wish, but, yeah. but, but, but we do only have the, the one, the one year. So, so this year is, is, is going to be cool. It's uh, we have after the photo issue will be sea creatures which is mm-hmm. gonna be rad. Like it's just, it's, uh, we're gonna have so much fun with that. Um, and then we're taking a hard right turn at a sea creatures and going into um, wine. We're gonna do a wine issue, which at, at first, Eddie, Eddie mentioned that Eddie introduced this idea at dinner uh, mm-hmm. one night, you know, when we were all together. And, uh, and at first I recoiled, you know, I was like, and and I've worked in wine. I've I've worked harvest in wine. I I worked for a winery. So I have a lot of and I did a lot of wine writing. So I have a, a lot of wine background. And so I had this very rigid, at least when I first heard it reacted, this very rigid idea of what you know a wine issue would be. And so I was like, oh, that's you know, wh- what's our audience going to say? They're going to just be like, oh, you know, very bougie whalebone. Uh, yeah. So it took me a minute, and I thought about it, and then I got really excited because I'm like, well. We could be the answer to all of that, like stodgy, unapproachable wine media and, and do something that is, you know, really fun and people get stoked about. And I got and it's the thing I was most excited about um, looking forward to this year, um, you know, once I really started thinking about it and dig it in. And um, 
after that, we're going to do a hippie issue and then a movie issue. And that's going to, that was one that was, it was planned for last year. And then we kind of pivoted and dropped it. But uh, the idea is that it's not, it's not a film issue per se. It's like a movie movie theater issue like a okay which is going to be so i think relevant and, and um and just just such a good feeling when actually we come to it uh the, you know it's about the experience of going to the movies and watching movies together in groups and you know this was an idea we we're working on 2019 and 2020 came and it just like it it it, it uh it seemed so important um but it's like we can't do it the way we want to do it you know it'd be like elegiac it would be this ode to group experiences if we did it last year um mm -hmm. so hopefully it's at a time when we all come back together and you want to have you know there's a big part of whalebone too we, we we have the magazine as the core but we branch into experiences so we want to have uh, a movie theater like a whalebone movie theater where or maybe several movie theaters but at least one in montauk where people can go and watch movies together and that's you know, the movie issue extension that's going to be a hell of a way to end the year hopefully the wine issue is pretty interesting. I remember there used to be a magazine that tried to be cool called Wine X. This was a long time ago. This was back in the early 2000s when you put an X on things to mm -hmm. denote that you were being cool. Like straight you know? edge? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, no, it wasn't straight edge. It was No, yeah, it but, but more uh, like, um, like, like, wasn't like Fugazi. the X Games. It was more like X Games than Fugazi. Yeah. 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 Um, but at that point, I actually had a winery with my, uh, with my ex-wife called Rochambeau out in, uh, out in Healdsburg. And we were, I guess, too far ahead of the game. You know, we had an art gallery that was all juxtaposed style. And uh, anyway, it was great. We had like 30,000 case a year operation for a little while. So I know that industry pretty well. And I know what you're talking about in terms of just how hard it is to curate something around wine that is that actually feels uh just not bougie in some way right mm -hmm. like because it's talking we're talking wine and for a lot of folks it's a little bit of like a especially with the with the ascent of beer being so so such a big thing and beer is more expensive than wine now per ounce in some cases yeah right there's these crazy beers out there but yeah you, you go to Ru russian river here i'm sure you've seen when the the, the line is released yeah there's a line around the block like it's a star wars movie in 1978 absolutely i went one year and the it was just just pissing down rain and the line was three blocks long people just looking for their i think you can only get like one or two bottle or um yeah growlers. there's a yeah there's a they, they limit it it's, it's a plenty the younger i guess the plenty the elder is the one that gets out the younger is the one that people really get excited about saying things like a triple ipa or something and it's right you know kind of kind of sweet and delicious but like 12 percent alcohol so, so people people get off on that but it's not as good as montauk brew now is it I mean, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to say nothing is as good as Montauk Brewing Company. <laughs> exactly. Just getting a little plug in there for Montauk Brew because, you know, why not? I'm a fan of Montauk Brew. The, the, those guys are, are awesome. And they've been they've been behind Whalebone since day one, supporting Whalebone since day one. And, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're you know, the Whalebone beer. I, I, we, had, we counted at some point, like, how many, like, cans of Montauk Bruco had been drank at the whalebone events and like lost you know i think we lost count at like three thousand or something you know now we now we just say it's a lot but you know <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll always be part of the part of the part of the family kind of um you know so it's like you know, if uh if whalebone doesn't mention beer we, we talk we talk about bruco you know we, we use the word bruco for beer essentially that's a, that's a short um you also talked about 
a film issue, which just brought to mind the movie theater thing. Uh, again, this is probably a little obscure, but what was his name? Oh, there's a Japanese, well, he's still alive, photographer named Hiroshi Sugimoto. That's what it is. And check his stuff out. If you're listening to this, guys, type in Sugimoto. Not sure how it's pronounced, probably phonetically, Sugimoto, or how it's spelled. Uh, and he went around the United States, I think in the 70s and the 80s, and he took these long exposures in these beautiful movie theaters, like these beautiful old movie theaters. And um, he just, a film would play, right? And he'd have his wide angle in the back of the, up in the projection booth and would leave the shutter open for the entire film and then close it. So the end result is this beautifully detailed shot of the theater and that the screen is just white, right? Because it's been open for two hours. But in that moment, in that, in that capture, that single frame, you, you know, you sort of technically have an entire film, <laughs> you know, exposed and I just, I just think it's so beautiful and such a cool thing. Plus, it's a document of all these wonderful theaters, many of which are no longer around, you know, in, in towns all over the United States. So Hiroshi Sugimoto, I think I got the name right. If you're into photography uh, and into old movie theaters, which I am, uh, check it out. Anyway, That's sorry. An interesting idea. Yeah. You know, you, you reminded me of it. So I figured I'd riff on it. Real it's quick. like, like fo photo as as concept, uh, but also document. I mean, I, I love that aspect of photography that it, you know, it, it can be art, but it uh, is also a document of, you know, culture, places, times, things. Uh, I don't know if he's, if he mentions what film is being played in each one, like, uh, I don't, but I don't know if that even really matters. It's just kind of cool. So uh, what's the hottest topic sales-wise for Whalebone? Is there, is there, is there one topic that was just like a clear cut, like, man, this was completely fascinating to the most people? Uh, you know, our, our, our top seller probably, uh, always and consistently is the Bill Murray issue. That's, you know, so our, our definite goal and our outlook is that the magazines are kind of evergreen, like each edition, uh, it, it's not just for the two months that it came out, mm -hmm. you know, you, you could pick up the Bill Murray issue, which I think was two and a half years ago now or something. And it's just as relevant as it was when it came out and you enjoy it just as much. And so they're all designed to kind of be that way. So, you know, we, we do, um, you know, pretty good back issues sales. Are, I mean, our back issues are not um, just things that only existed in, in those time periods. So, yeah, that Bill Murray is just consistent. Will you do a reprint? We've, we've never we've never reprinted. Um, okay. okay. You know, so, so it's, you know, then they're meant to be limited edition and there is, uh, you know, there are lunatics like me and, and, and you, it sounds like, who collect yeah. magazines and are yep. um, kind of chase after them. So the, we, we, we just, uh, the, it's limited edition and the stock is the stock and, and when okay. it's gone, it's sold out. So there are some that are just sold out. Um, there are some that the inventory is very low on and we price those a little bit uh, higher than the other ones. I want to talk about you, though, for a second, John. We'll get back to, to Whalebone, but you're in the world of publishing, magazine publishing, which is uh, a smaller and smaller world every year as far as paper, print. How'd you get into that? How'd you find yourself with the calling of, of, of magazines? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it definitely, I grew up, like, collecting them and looking at them and, and you know, kind of already loving magazines and... Uh, you know, had this vision that 
I would grow up and be like the editor of Esquire or something and have a desk mm -hmm. and a typewriter or something like that. And, you know, I came into the my career at just such a time that the vestiges of that kind of publishing were still around, you know. So when I interned at a magazine, it was really a magazine. It was a print magazine. And uh, we're working on building this website. You know, that was kind of when I started in publishing. And, you know, it's like the, the web page was like, you bought the URL and put up like a photo and, you know, a phone number to call to order the magazine. You know, it was kind of what the websites were. Um, you know, so I, at that stage, I'm an, I'm an intern and, and that's where I worked. Um, this magazine that I, I loved, you know, that, that as it was, uh, you know, and I, and I love now when I see Whalebone getting applications for interns like this. It was this magazine that I collected and read all the time. And I saw the lad in the back to apply for an internship. I applied for the internship and got it. And it was like, you know, I was such a fan of, of the brand. It was called Blue Magazine. And the design was, um, the original design was by David Carson, who is a you know legendary magazine legendary. designer. Yeah. yeah, who had, you know, it's interesting because he cuts across so much of this for me because he kind of was you know a generation before me at a time when publishing was publishing itself was becoming digitized so you were going from a place where he learned originally you know probably to do you know cut and paste like slicing up layouts right. with you know th that still was something that existed and then rudimentary desktop publishing and his revolution was that he did these things with then it was quark now it's indesign and he was like uh you know like the punk you know, digital designer in, in, in Quark that was kind of taking the the premise of analog feel and analog uh, cut and paste and doing it digitally. You know, so, so his design, I think, was he, he doesn't get he's maybe not as well known and may not get the credit for what his influence was on um, on publishing and, and design. You know, he, he's a really interesting character to me. Um, yeah, and, and I agree. Hugely influential. David Carson, folks, if you haven't checked him out, just Google him. Uh, check out Ray. Do you remember Ray Gun Magazine, folks? It was around for a little while, like pretty much all of the 90s. Ray Gun was where it was the cool rock magazine for a while. I was working at Tower Records when Ray Gun was hitting and Tower Books. All right. and I loved David Carson. He's the guy who really got me excited about publishing. Just the look, the feel, and he was sloppy. You know, that, that mm -hmm. sort of, that uh, perfectly sloppy, messy, grungy, his typography. You know, I started taking graphic design classes because of David Carson, just seeing how you could do that. And like you said, it was just that in-between of, of cutting up, collaging, and also working with digital. Because I was doing rock poster flyers at that time for this mm -hmm. club that I worked at. And David Carson was, was inspiring all of us to do really cool stuff. And then sadly, and sorry, Apple fans, this isn't poor <laughs> against, but Apple came along and started doing this just really, you know, one word on a big white piece of paper and calling it good design because it was so minimal. It was just kind of, to me, just a cop out. And then we have a whole generation of designers that were like, oh, you know what's good design? I just be as plain and simple as possible <laughs> and call yeah, it a black, day. Black sans serif on, on a white background. Yeah, like, no, that's that's not great design. It's easy to, it's 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 legible, but there's no story there. There's no soul there. There's no heart there. It's just, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and, and he was nice doing, about it. Yeah, doing digital design. Yeah, that, that that you can feel like it. It it felt um, 
it felt tangible. Yeah, it felt congruous with whether he was doing uh, surfer stuff in the in the surf world. What was the magazine that he was? Was it Surfer? Was surfer, he surfer? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he, he was a surfer. He this has been surfer. so many years for me. I'm trying to bring it all back. Um, or when he was doing Raygun, it felt congruous with with the music that was in there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're reading an article on Sonic Youth and David Carson's got the layout and it just fit in a way that's really hard to find now. You know, when you do find it, it's it stands out. It's why it's why I got into Whalebone. I'm like, wow, this is curated content. Reminds me of Colors in that it's one topic per and it is laid out in a way that fits really well with the idea. It's hard yeah. to find. It's really hard to find online or print. Right, right on, and uh, you know, it, it, it's meant to. Whalebone is meant to be a tactile experience. You know, the cover's thick and it's scratchy, and it's meant to yep. be something that feels nice. Because now, you know, if if a magazine's gonna, it's gotta justify being an object. It's gotta justify being an object that you want to hold and flip through. Um, you know, because there's so many alternative ways to get those words and pictures that might be better ways to get them. So, so uh, Whalebone's really designed to be the magazine as, as object. Let me ask you this. So Whalebone is, is possibly the, the number four best magazine in the world. Um, well, I, I think I think it's nine. But, but, uh, okay. But, but, but I was just th- I was thank you, you for the bump. promotion. I was giving you a bump. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is people people ask like, wow, that's 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 got to be quite an honor to be you know the ninth best magazine in the world possibly. Um, you know, where did that come from? I was like, oh, you know, we used to have an about page on our website that sounded kind of like sincere and straightforward and explaining, you know, Whalebone is a lifestyle company that publishes a magazine, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Eddie and I were like on the phone uh, and we're, we're like, oh, we should redo this, uh, this about page. And, and he just said, he just said, it should be something like Whalebone is the ninth best magazine in the world. And I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, well, that's you, sp- it you speak it into reality. So I'm speaking number four. You're not, you've, you've made a leap. All right, to number four. What are, if you had to name three magazines that would be aspirational above Whalebone, for you personally, what, what do you got? What, who's crushing it out there in print? Uh, I mean, I, 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 would, I would say probably like the, the normal ones that would be expected, you know, the things that I read like, like The New Yorker um, mm-hmm. always uh, and, and uh, New York that I mentioned continues to be, but one that probably a lot of people have not heard about and the one who does the wine writing 100% right is called Noble Rot, um, mm-hmm. if, if you've heard of them. Yeah, they're, uh, and it's so interesting to me because they are a publication from a brand. You know, it's a wine shop and a restaurant, and I think they're in London, uh, and it's a wine shop and a restaurant, and the crew there puts together a, a, a magazine uh, that is like cohesive from start to finish. It's It's done by their design team for the restaurant. Each issue actually kind of has this uh, coherent feel, even from issue to issue. And there's just really interesting stuff in it and interesting conversations. And if you're uh, if you're interested in wine and, you know, uh, wine enthusiast doesn't really light your fire, um, <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's where you're gonna go. And then a, another one that is, a lot of things, uh, you know, a podcast and a journal, and now it's a book uh, called Desert Oracle at a Joshua Tree. Their stuff is is terrific. Yeah, I mean, the, the podcast is, I think, his his main endeavor. Ken Lane, um, Desert Oracle. But, 
Mm-hmm. But but it, it's like a I think he calls it like a like a field guide, and it's supposed to come out uh, quarterly, like four times a year at the magazine. And I had yeah, you see it all over Joshua Tree, and I and I started seeing it around there, and then listen to his podcast all the time. But but the uh, you know it, it's it's old school throwback zine style almost. It's oh, like, great. Um, each one's a bright yellow cover. They're small, like field guide guide size with a perfect bound back, but it's all black and white and like, you know, looks like very kind of, uh, looks slapped together. I'm sure it's not slapped together, but, but, but it's not like high end glossy magazine design or, or the, uh, you know, the really sort of edgy graphic design of like Noble Rot or somebody like that. Okay. So that's, see, that's a, two great examples. Noble Rot is wine, wine world, probably food a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Desert Oracle, I'm guessing is about Desert, Joshua Tree, that community. Yeah, field guide yeah. to uh, yeah. the high de- the high desert, so all like American Southwest kind of stuff. And that's what I love about magazines so much because done right, they're they're entirely immersive. You know, unlike anything other than maybe um, books or film, they paint a picture, they tell a story uh, of a time, a place, a mood, a slice of culture, and they can function as like a real time chronicling, like Desert Oracle, you know, or like Noble Rot of that subculture, but then there's more. Like what Whalebone does, you know, they can function as a rallying point for a place, Montauk, or a topic. Uh, and, and websites do that, obviously. You can have a Facebook page or group, but they do it. I don't think they do as good of a job uh, and certainly less archivally. Archivally? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a word. It is now. Yeah, less archivally. Whereas a magazine, you've got this, like you said, it's tactile, it's real, it's like, you know, if it's perfect bound, you, you put it on your shelf and it looks like a skinny book that you can reference again and again. That, that to me is the beauty of magazines. And Whalebone does it right. You know, Whalebone gets you interested in who are these people? What is this group? What is this little sort of slice of, of creative storytelling? I love that. Yeah, um, if, if anything unifies, and, and I think this is why there's affinity between Super Nice and Whalebone too. If anything unifies, um, or, you know, the Whalebone wor- worldview, or you know, from topic to topic, uh, we have a tagline that that is delightfully disorienting, mm-hmm. um, and with a heavy emphasis on the delight. You know, so, so you're you're always going to find that um, that fun and that whimsical nature in Whalebone's approach to you know to everything. And before I forget, it, it, not everybody's into magazines. I get it. You don't want to read it or you buy them and they just stack up before you get to them. Whalebone has one of the best daily newsletters out there. You guys have to subscribe to the newsletter. Seriously. You just go to whalebonemag.com and it's there. If you really want to type it all in slash sign up, this is a daily newsletter that you won't unsubscribe from because it's always awesome. So check out the newsletter. Uh, it's just a, an additional layer uh, to whalebone. By the time people get to that website now, it's probably going to have that quote and, you know, a a really big pull quote on the top of the page. Now a newsletter you won't unsubscribe from. (laughs) It's true because I unsubscribe. I'm I'm a relentless unsubscriber. That was such 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 a nice way to put it, though. Thank you. I would just say that the newsletter is a good, a really good example of, you know, kind of what we were just talking about that, um, Sorry, it's a really good example of like that you could build community, you can disseminate information through um, any technology and any any method, you know, it's just like doing it that way for, for that thing, you know, how does the the thing function as an object? Um, 
know, like I like to think of it as like a, a spoon is a pretty good spoon. Like we keep using spoons because spoons work as spoons. Like if you want to scoop something and put it in your mouth, you should use a spoon. Uh, a newspaper is kind of a poor way to get your news. You know, it's kind of wasteful. It, it's unwieldy to use. You know, you could mourn the decline of newspapers. You know, we all love the smell of newsprint and sitting there with a bagel and coffee and dripping it on the newspaper. Sure, that's a nice nostalgic feeling. But as a tool for getting the news, it's not that great. You know, if you think about guys in the 60s and 70s and 50s and before on the subway with a broadsheet newspaper and folding it in half and having this kind of origami method to read a newspaper on the subway or a bus, they were folding it and turning it into something as small as they could that they can hold in their hand, you know? So your phone is a pretty good way to get the news if you're on the subway and you're trying to get news fast and, you know, it's information and speed, it's delivering it better. You know, so phone's good for a newspaper. Um, you know, the, the magazine, like, like as we had kind of discussed, it has to justify itself being that magazine and, and being, that, uh, being, being that object. And, and again, you know, so the afternoon, the, light, the newsletter, it came out at a very like stressful time, you know, so we launched it right at the beginning of quarantine when the world jumped into a volcano and, you know, everything was kind of shaky. And, you know, we asked, you know, what, what are we going to do? What can we do? Well, let's, let's do this daily newsletter and it's going to be something that's a little brightness in people's day, a rest, uh, you know, a, a little bit of, uh, you know, like a break for your email inbox. Um, and that was it, what it was designed to be. And we were like, maybe we're going to do this for three months. Maybe we're going to do it for six months. Maybe we'll always keep doing it. But, but every day in the afternoon, here's you know, a little something that hopefully you know, makes you smile or something like that. Every single day. So who, cure, who, who puts that together every day? Is that you? That's, that? that's everybody on, on the team. You know? you know, so it's like a, it's, 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 it's a Slack channel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, something it's, I saw it's cool. written by the Slack channel. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, before we leave the topic, though, of Spoons, it's a great band. If you guys aren't fans of the band Spoon, go dive into Spoon. <laughs> I was a paperboy, too, so folding these things, yeah. Yeah, and, and we get we get plenty of submissions, too, from the, uh, you know, e e even from our audience and from the community, I think. You know, I actually, so somebody wrote in about Super Nice, and we included Super Nice, uh, you know, in one of the early editions, but, but somebody, uh, just, a, you know, a, a random person wrote in and said, you guys should check this out. Thank you, random person. Deeply appreciate it. Big fan of Whalebone as a result. Also now a fan of, and I want to talk about them real quick, Accidentally Wes Anderson. Partnership that uh, you guys have put together. And this is just so cool. It's, um, I think it's on your website or AWA's. It says, as most modern love stories go, we met online and things just went from there. Now we're combining forces to bring more delight to your coffee table, mailbox, email inbox, internet connected device. Look for delightfully disorienting stories, merch, giveaways, trips, scavenger hunts. So cool. So cool. We do them too at Super Nice. Parties, secret decoder rings. I want one or two. And monogrammed steamer trunks full of fun. That sounds like the best thing ever. Talk about this accidentally Wes Anderson and uh, Whalebone collaboration love affair. Yeah, and, and like I said uh, in the beginning, you know, how Whalebone has always been, you know, about partnerships and collaboration. You know, this is one of the latest ones. And, you know, we just, uh, 
realize that we have a lot of affinity in the way that we approach uh, life and, and what we do. And Wally and accidentally Wes Anderson were really building this strong community of, uh, you know, just, just curious people who had this, uh, you know, a, a little bit of quirk to the way they looked at the world. Uh, you know, they're a larger community and there was just a lot of, um, I hate, I hate to use this word, but but a lot a lot of alignment, <laughs> a lot of alignment. Yeah, no, no. Between us, and yeah, it just kind of made sense. And they were, you know, they started out as an Instagram account, you know, but they're all of these parts now, you know, with the community being at the center of it, being the root, and they have a, a coffee table book that came out last year that was awesome of, of photography. You know, so, so accidentally, Wes Anderson looking photos. It makes sense if you go to the Instagram page. Accidentally, Wes Anderson. Uh, okay, so you guys are, are now friends, and are you going to do? So now we're cooking up n- new stuff. Yeah. yeah, that that'll that'll, you know, j- just bring more fun to everybody who follows along. If there are people who are like, you know, find accidentally Wes Anderson through Whalebone, or find Whalebone mm-hmm. through accidentally Wes Anderson, there will be like more elaborate type scavenger hunts that would just be for that um, that kind of combi- combined audience, uh, Easter right. eggs and, and things around. Uh, and, you know, like Wh- Wellbone always likes to kind of uh, take what we're doing uh, and put it in the real world too. It's like not just in the pages of the magazine, you know, that's like mm-hmm. stuff I think that gets us really excited. So like when we did our travel issue last year, or 2019, which seems like last year, but it was two years ago because last year didn't count. We did the travel issue in 2019 one of the things in the travel issue was a treasure map. And then we had different collaborators and colleagues and comrades throughout the world burying coffee cans full of treasure, which mostly was like um, kind of odd trinkets, but also a $500 uh, or a slip good for $500. So five hundred, at least $500 worth of treasure in all these coffee cans all over the world, put the map in the issue with um, the approximate coordinates and then had people out there with metal detectors trying to dig these things it. up. You know, so, then they, so then they're posting that to Instagram and, yeah. you know, and, and what the adventures were of trying to find those things. So, so you know, hopefully uh, when everybody can kind of uh, get out there into the world again, there'll be that, that kind I of know. fun from AWA and Webble. All of this, you know, pre-plague, uh, Super Nice Club did real-world events too. We did real-world gatherings in different cities, New York, LA, wherever, and we will again. And just, just so dying to get back out there. You know, we actually did treasure hunt. We did a, a you know, like um, you had to solve all these different puzzles to to find the thing and mm-hmm. and geo what are you, like geocaching types. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, I love it. I, I don't know if you ever watched uh, the TV show Gravity Falls. It's a cartoon, oh. super cool. They did a they did a treasure hunt, a really cool one in the real world after the show was over. Uh, anyway, I, that kind of stuff because you get people from the from the publication from online to actually go out in the real world and connect with each other. Mm-hmm. That's that's why we that's why we do all this stuff. That's why the magazine exists. That's why Super Nice Club exists. It's the best part. And during the plague, it sucks. It sucks that everything we do right now is remote. I mean, I love having this conversation with you, but it'd be so much better to be doing the podcast live. Absolutely. You know, with people. And uh, I, I just can't wait for the, the plague to end. And if, uh, uh, if you guys want to play with Super Nice, we'll bring, out, we'll bring out our people too. I have a member question, a member question for you from Paul Gomez in Colorado. Hi, Paul. Miss you, Paul. Uh, Paul says, I dig whalebone. Would they be open to publishing 
experimental, straightforward and easy to read, pulp fiction focusing on social and environmental concerns? That's a pretty specific question. I, I, I think absolutely. You know, it's a uh, it's something that we've toyed with in various ways. We've definitely talked about having, uh, if there was appetite for it, like some sort of a special edition zine, you know, that was like the, the word flip side of the photo issue. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have, having something that's uh, you know more of a literary endeavor, maybe, and there has been sprinkled throughout Wellbone's history. Um, if you know where to look for it, fiction in the magazine, probably more than people might think. <laughs> so, Paul, listen, Paul, write that piece. Whatever you have in mind, write the piece. That's the answer. Write the piece. Yeah. I, I would tell Paul the example that he could find already in Wellbone would be in the Bill Murray issue. There is a uh, the, the the account of um, catting for the Dalai Lama. That probably got some good pickup, huh? Yeah, it was it was a fun one. So publishing, what's the what do you think? Just you have a deep experience not only with David Carson but also uh, uh, Radar 3.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've worked with some really cool people over the years. And seeing the, uh, the 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 industry kind of move around, what do you think? Are, are we going to see a resurgence of print magazines, kind of like we've seen a resurgence of vinyl and 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 quote unquote Polaroid? I say quote unquote because it's not the original company. Any any predictions? Yeah, I mean, I I think so. Uh, you know, for sure that that's where Wellbone is at. Um, you know, and and I've seen people say that you know you will see a resurgence of old school print magazines, just not from who you expect it from. You know, and, and I kind of believe that. But but we, you know, so Whalebone's interesting that the magazine is our reason for being, and you know, the point of the magazine is to be analog and to be tactile. You know, to give you something to put your phone down for a while, so you're not always plugged in. Uh, we we say you know what's a rush is another thing that we say besides being delightfully disoriented. Well, what's a rush? You know, like take take a little break, sit down with the magazine, flip through it. Um, you know, it's to give you that break in your day, you know, that, that little spot of peace, you know, so a, a magazine could, could do that. And as more and more people are looking for ways to disconnect, you know, you could see them gravitating towards print publications um, and, and putting them together in, in new and different ways. Like I'm always excited to see, to see what people are going to do, you know, and, and I had that very traditional experience in New York media and New York publishing. You know, so like at the launch of Radar 3.0, I was a copy editor there, and our fact-checking department at Radar is twice the size of the editorial department for all of Whalebone. You know, so so it's like that was that old that old structure. But Radar was at a time when you know digital media was becoming important. You know, so Radar was 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 doing both, and it, you know, it was that model of what media companies are. And you know, Whalebone is very much in this model of you do experiential live events. You know, our, our shop used to be our, our parties and, and other um, other things out there in the real world. You do the print magazine, you do a website, and your other digital properties. And you know, Whalebone is all all of that. So it's the whole that whole you know 360 degree experience but the the, the nice the, the nice part of it is that there is that magazine the print magazine that is the the backbone of it that gives it the structure for no particular reason as i as i open up the magazine i want to give a shout out to um and i'll probably blow her name 
Margot Verricchio, intern. She's listed in here as intern for Wellbone. The reason why I want to give her a shout out is because interning is such a smart, cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's such a smart, cool thing to do if you have a passion for a particular industry or a particular thing you want to do. If you can get on as an intern or as a, um, what do you call it when you're in the craft field? Um, like an understudy, that would be in theater, but uh, there's another word. Apprentice. Apprentice, thank you. There we go. You're, you're the word guy. Uh, apprentice, intern. Really, really sharp thing to do that you can do when you're still in high school. You can do while you're in college. It's invaluable. I you you did an internship. I did an internship at a magazine while I was still in college, and it's it's a time and it's just it's. There. And and Margo um, is well deserving of your shout out. I I, I need to uh... <laughs> to jump in there. Yeah, thanks for uh, for saving my train. She, she was there. she was awesome. So Margo was there for how long? Let's talk about Margo. Uh, so so Margo is awesome. She, she's interesting because. Uh, she, she was, her internship ended, you know, she, she was with us last year, her internship ended and it was all uh, remote um, because it was, it was post quarantine and very much in the thick of that. Then she, she was gone for like a week or so. And then she wrote us back and she's like, I miss you guys. I want to come back. I want to do an internship again. And she interned another, uh, <laughs> <laughs> another, another three months. And, you know, and oh, she, was like, oh, she was like, this is the best thing I did with, with my days. And I want to keep being involved. Um, you know, so, so she was, she was super cool. We have an intern named Will now who actually is just out of high school. He's the youngest intern we've had. See? And, and, there we and go. yeah. And, and he's, uh, like he's, he, he's 18 and like you talk to him and like, I couldn't believe that he was only 18 uh, and, and that, you know, he had such a grasp of, of what we were doing and, uh, and really fits in. But I, you know, I was the beneficiary of people who were very generous to me when I was an intern. Um, and really, really, I learned so much and they, and I, and you know, that's, that's what you're getting. There needs to be that trade cause you're working for peanuts really. So you're working to, to learn, uh, and so I've always followed that example and I try to, um, you know, you'd have to ask like Margo and Will, <laughs> but, but I, I, I try to make sure that I'm giving something, uh, you know, to the interns that they're going to be able to take away um, and, yeah. and take forward. And it does. If you, if you have your own business, consider also bringing in interns or bringing in apprentices, provided that you're going to not just use them as grunt labor, provided that you're going to dedicate yourself to giving something, to training them, to bringing them up, to showing them the ropes, right? Because sometimes interns are just seen as sources of cheap labor. That's not super nice. What's super nice is this collaboration between intern and mentor. Make it a mentor-mentee type of relationship. And it, it takes energy. You have to spend you know, money to have an intern. You really do, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it takes somebody has to nurture that intern along. But that mentor-mentee relationship is something I would love to see in more and more uh, businesses around the world. I think it's it's uh, a great way to bring people in, especially right now when there's so many people looking for work. Yeah, the other thing, um, I, I guess just about digital publishing in, in general, and I was thinking back to being an intern, you know, back in that era of, publishing when I'm starting out, I was always the youngest one. So everybody expected me to know the technology. And so that's, so I got very much into digital media and building websites. And since then I've been ad buying a media ad buyer, data analyst, like, you know, doing all of these really digital things because I was on the youngest end of the spectrum in the print publishing 
world and you know the older staff weren't as adept didn't have the skills or whatever and i've seen that it's funny it's, i've seen it change i've definitely noticed it change and like i'm i'm still the most technically savvy person in a bunch of places where i've been since then right in that you know the young, younger staff now they didn't ever really have to learn how to get in and break html and learn css and build websites you know it's, it became so drag and drop that you know after that era like they don't seem to have um that that experience either uh you know so so it's uh you know a, a lot of uh, digital publishing now is like a lot of it's done done for you so i went from being the youngest person who is the expectation of you know you always have that technical expertise to or tech expertise with technology i should say to uh you know i'm the only one left (laughs) well it used to be more complex too right the 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 world wide web used to be prettier um Mm -hmm. you know when we had flash and we had these pages now it's everything has to be mobile friendly and so i think a lot of folks who are just coming up into the web in the last decade or so they don't realize that that it actually used to be a more creative space. It used to be uh, more inventive, just more immersive. You know, websites could do more. Now they have to look great on a tiny little screen and it's just, there's not so much you can do. You know, so, so it's like there is no just pure print magazine a- anymore. You know, I'd love to see that come back. You know, when, you, when you're saying if, if print will make it come back, like I think people will buy magazines and maybe as a consumer trend, you know, that that will, you know, maybe mirror vinyl or, or something like that. But but just the idea that, you know, all you could do is make beautiful printed things, uh, you know, and, 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 and that be a company would be nice to see more of more of that. You know, a- a- Esquire, is you know makes it Freddie even Esquire the New Yorker like they do a terrific job but you know they they have a video production company and, and an events arm and yeah it's like of course it's still the New Yorker magazine but uh, but uh, yeah it, it, it's it's just gotten so uh, so much more complicated I guess there what did you mention Noble Rot uh, you guys if we use colors as an example uh, so many the great magazines are sort of a uh, brand extension mm-hmm. of something that already exists, right? Because they're, they're making their money from this other thing. You know, I, I noticed too, it's like we all, uh, we all come at it from different angles, but, but in the end you arrive at being the same thing, you know? So you could say like Noble Roth's very different from Whalebone and that Whalebone is like really like a, is started to be a media company. Noble Rod is a wine shop. Well, now Whalebone is a media company, the magazine, but we have a, shop on Bleecker Street. And when we have the wine issue, we're going to have a wine shop. So we'll be a magazine with a wine shop. They're a wine shop with a magazine. In the end, what's the difference? It's building community and more and more brands. If you don't have that community built in, you're at a real disadvantage. So Whalebone is now very well poised to sort of extend into anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's the idea that, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's called Whalebone Magazine, but, but it could be in all these places and all these things. Um, you know, the, the other couple of really strong examples I think of are um, Sandwich Magazine, which mm-hmm. is an awesome magazine, and it's made by Sir Kensington, by the condiment company. Um, and then the other one that, that just popped onto my radar a few months ago is Maggot Brain, which is uh, Third Man Records magazine. Huh. Now you bring like the old uh, Funky yeah, Dog yeah. record. Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
Magabrain, I'll have to check that one out as a as a fan of, of Funkadelic and Parliament. Oh, yeah, I love, I love that record. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. A, you, you couldn't do better with, with a name than that as long as, you know, George Clinton was all right with it. <laughs> do you have, we always do these super nice club challenges. It's just a quick little challenge that uh, you can throw out to the listeners, the members of the Super Nice Club, anybody listening to this podcast, just a little something that they can do, execute, ponder upon to make their world or the world just a little bit nicer. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would borrow something that we do every day uh, at Whalebone and it's Ayahuasca? The, <laughs> be, 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 <laughs> besides, besides that, uh, yeah, I would... I don't know if I'd recommend that every day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, we start off every one of our phone calls every morning, and I've never worked at any company that did this, and, and it's really remarkable that, that uh, Eddie had started this tradition. Eddie and the team had started the tradition. But you, we start off the call with saying, what was the favorite part of your day previous? Not work necessarily. It could be something with work, but what is one small thing that you're grateful for? Uh, or that was just was something that that made your day a little bit better um, and it was a great habit for, for me to get into not something I would otherwise do and I noticed that when it's really important is mm-hmm. when you had a shitty day and you have to think about something that was good you know you have to wake up the next morning think about something that was good when all you want to do is say you know y- yesterday was just really terrible and it was fucked up and no, you got to say something good. So I would challenge people to do that every day, and, and especially, especially on on the shitty days. Think of something good, even if you have to dig for it. And when you have to dig for it, that's that's when it's going to be the most rewarding. Yeah, that, all right. That's when it's important. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Let's see. I'm going to try mine for yesterday. What was mine for? God, I don't even remember yesterday. Um, oh, I know what it was. I was telling you before we started recording that. Um, I'm doing some homeschooling when my young boys are with me and my, my uh, eight-year-old Ryerson. Ryerson's with me right now and he hates school, even when I'm the teacher and I'm a shit teacher. I'll admit it. I just, you know, to be a teacher, that's the thing that you get trained at doing to make education fun and seem relevant, right? Especially to an eight-year-old brain. But he crushed it yesterday. He didn't complain. He didn't uh, uh, rebel against school, which I'm kind of proud of him for in a weird way. Uh, but yesterday he crushed his school and it made me so just, and it makes my workday go a lot easier too, right? So we talked about that for a while and he was proud of himself for doing so well at school. And he was just so excited to get uh, some love for doing well. And it was just sort of like this escalating feedback loop of happiness. You did great at school. I know. Isn't that great? It is. You know, <laughs> just, yeah, it was a real happy moment. So, awesome. uh, that was my high point yesterday. My kid did great at school. Kind of sucked today. He wasn't so hot today, but yesterday he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe he'll be better tomorrow. Yeah, it's, he's always better. Oh, he's, I, I love that kid. Um, now, do you have a question for me? You get to be the host. Everybody gets one question. You get one crack at embarrassing me. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I was going to go go for embarrassing you, but but if... if uh... If we're doing an interview for Whalebone magazine, and, and you know this is going to be something that we printed, I'd probably ask you, you something, um, you know, a, a little convoluted. So, so I tell you that um, you know Whalebone magazine is a time machine, 
it's not like uh, you know a classic DeLorean, you know, our time machines. You know, it's an '86 Sentra, and it's a little okay. bit dodgy. So you know, you might get stuck. You know, so consider that. You know, in, in your answer, it, it might not always bring you back, and you know, there's no um, there's no repair shops where you're going probably. So consider that. So we're giving you the keys to the Sentra, and you can go back in time, and and you're going to interview. You're going back to interview a person in that time and place in that period. You know, where are you taking the center and who you're interviewing? Uh, that's a great question. Well, what just leaps to mind, because he's just such an incredible person about which there's still a lot of questions. Uh, a da Vinci would probably be pretty interesting to me. Maybe not my favorite period in terms of I wouldn't really want to be in Europe at that point. Maybe better other parts of the world, right there. And yeah, make sure um, you got a full tank of gas before you leave. Yeah, Da Vinci would be absolutely fascinating to me. Da Vinci, Paracelsus, some of the people around that time. Um, what would you, what yeah, would you ask would, him? What would I ask him? What would I ask Leonardo Da Vinci? I, I would just want to know. I would just because you know he used this polymath, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the polymaths are the people that fascinate me that are just so capable about so many things. I don't know what one question. I would just want to sort of bask in the glow of being able to be around there. I think that... Uh, well, do you speak Italian? I'd want to ask him about his... Reli- I don't. That's oh. okay. A little fractured. I took a semester or maybe a year. But, you know, I've got enough Spanish in me that we could make it through. I think I'd want to ask... I have a degree in religious studies. I'm a religious, but, you know, I'm a possibilian. Um, I would want to ask him about his his relationship with the church a lot. That would fascinate me. You know, so this man of science in a time of faith, right? Um, I'd probably dig into that a little bit, um, quite a bit. Yeah, I think think that's what I would do. I'd probably want to go back and talk to Leo about God and science and the intersection of two. Maybe try out the, um, what's Musk's uh, ridiculous notion that we're living in a a, um, simulation? Simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, simulation fans. I, I don't think it's the case. I think we're living in, in the, the one true reality. But what do I know? I don't know anything. Yeah. Well, we'll, be, we'll, uh, we'll tune up the flux capacitor and make sure you got enough plutonium. Or I would go back to the 60s and uh, talk to Lenny Bruce. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's the other one. That's the other one. Specific question for Lenny Bruce probably be around. I would kind of want to counsel him if I could. Is that, is that permitted? Yeah. You know, I would, I would ask your, him questions trying to lead your, him away from, from over uh, obsessing on persecution. I'd want, to, I'd want to get at his persecution complex to free him so that he didn't overdose, you know, some years later as sort of a, of a, sort of a shell, a broken guy, you know? Yeah, I mean, usually the rules are not to change history, but in oh, are they? it would be okay. The butterfly wings thing? Yeah. 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 I mean, Save Lenny. <laughs> but if it's a simulation, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. That's what's so depressing about the simulation is it's like, who cares about the environment? Throw your beer can out the window. It's all a simulation. It's another way of absolving ourselves of anything, like all other religions, which the simulation theory is just another faith in a higher being that we now can free ourselves of personal responsibility. Like, no, this is our reality. We have to deal with it. And we have to live with it. So we have to treat the world better. That's, that's why I'm just not going for the simulation theory. I know you didn't ask, but... <laughs> There it is. <laughs> yeah, that's, and with that's that a justification for um, 
you know, for, for, for being abusive to the planet, it's, it's, it's a good one. So it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. I know. And maybe that's the case. I mean, we could be living in a simulation. That's all right with me. Uh, I'm going to treat this simulation uh, as well as I can. This is the only one that I think that I've got. Might as well be good to it, right? Good policy. Yeah. Yeah. John, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for uh, rambling around with me. Totally appreciate it. Big fan of Wellbone here at Super Nice Club. I'm going to say it again, listeners. Just bite the bullet. It's not expensive. Subscribe to Whalebone. Hop online, whalebonemag.com. Get a subscription. If you can't do it, I totally get it. Subscribe to the newsletter instead. Subscribe to the newsletter. And uh, as always with the podcast, if I recommend something, you get a money back guarantee. So if you subscribe to Whalebone Magazine and you get it, you're like, this sucks. This is so not me. This, uh, this issue that's just about spoons. I, I didn't want a whole... That's lame. Um, Super Nice Club will refund your subscription price to you in full, but you got to send us the magazines, which will then gift to other members of the Super Nice Club. So that is your guarantee. Got it? John, thanks a lot. Look All right, thank you. To the next issue. And uh, let's And the spoons issue. The spoons issues. Yeah. <laughs> look forward to the spoon issue. And I look forward to doing something with you guys in the real world one of these days. Yeah, same here. So there you have it, a super nice conversation with the super nice John Capone. Have you subscribed to Whalebone Magazine yet? Hmm? While, while you were listening, what about the newsletter? Did you do that? Either one of those things? Remember, both are guaranteed by the Super Nice Club. Get your money back, especially on the newsletter. So if uh, you subscribe to the, to the magazine and you hate it, it's cool. We'll, we'll reimburse you because it's just not going to happen. It's like saying that you can listen to Hollow Notes and not like it. It just hasn't happened in human history. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you don't know what the Super Nice Club is, shame on me. So go to superniceclub.com, at Super Nice Club on Instagram or Facebook. We have a, a thing on the the chat audio clubhouse thing. Yeah, clubhouse. You can find us on there too. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um... We have a sale that ended by the time you hear this, ended on the 15th of March. So it was a great sale though, 25% off everything on the website, our last sale until the uh, holiday seasons. So sorry you missed our sale, it was awesome. And oh, stickers were half off. So if you go buy stickers right now, you're gonna pay double what you would have paid if you had been uh, paying attention. Uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know if that's gonna encourage anybody to purchase any of our goods, which pay for the, electricity and rent and, and uh, food for my kids, pretty much my whole life, yeah. But uh, it's okay, that's right. You can wait wait till, uh, wait till the holidays, wait till there's a next sale. Or better yet, just wait till next Tuesday when there's a new podcast. Okay, until then, stay nice.
If you wanted to be nicer, then you could put away your clothes. If you wanted to be nicer, you can teach everything you know. So what? Big deal. 